everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Brad. And I am Anthony. Yeah, that guy, he's um he's an Anthony impersonator. But how are you doing today, Brad? How's it going? Doing good. Uh especially after this last week, because man, did I totally win out on the Oscars. Dude, I uh you you won out. Uh we got a lot of meat on the bone that we gotta cover before we get into our uh double feature two for today but uh yeah you you got it man uh i'm not mad you know like coda one and uh coda is a pretty good movie uh yeah I'm, I'm not mad at the best pick here yeah i mean this was the movie that i personally had as my pick for best movie um i can't remember what did you have as your go-to to win i said coda uh if that wins i'm not mad at it uh i'd said Oscar bait, but good Oscar bait was Power of the Dog, and my pick was going to be Drive My Car. Okay, that's right. Drive My Car was your personal pick. Yeah. Uh, Jane Campion, best director. Uh, I don't think that's uh, undeserved by any means. Uh, she deserves it. She uh, Power of the Dog was uh, very well directed. Uh, Troy, your boy, Troy Coatser, best supporting actor. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Ariana DeBose, uh, which I think we talked about this in the episode, uh, threw me off a little bit, but Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, I remember bad. that that one was already announced. Yeah. Jessica Chastain for Best Actress. That threw me off. I, I can see it, though. No, she's great. Yeah. I just I, I was just throwing off like, oh, OK. You know, I thought everybody was just behind Kristen Stewart as Diana. I didn't think there was like no other shoe ins, but that was cool. Yeah, I didn't see the eyes of Tammy Faye, so I'm not sure how her performance was in that one. But knowing Jessica, it it, yeah, it's it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Best original screenplay though. That Belfast Belfast? was not. I (sighs) Belfast. I'll be honest. I think Belfast was like on the bottom of my list out of all those contenders. Well, well, hold on. Let me see. What was it up against? It was, it was against up against Luke. Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and The Worst Person in the World. Okay, I haven't seen Worst Person, but I've heard good things. Uh, eh, I put Belfast. Listen, Don't Look Up is ambitious. It really is. Uh, as a screenplay, it, it is ambitious. Um, yeah. Belfast has a little bit more soul to it, so I would put it like above that. Uh, but the fact that it lost out to like King Richard and Licorice Pizza... It's that's a little odd. I mean, it went out to it. Well, yeah, you said it, it, lost out. Oh, I mean that those movies lost out to Belfast. I had it backwards. All right. But y'all, yeah. This is going to be an opposite day episode. <laughs> Brad is going to, uh, you know, twist his words around. Yeah, I'm not going right. to say anything I actually mean. <laughs> right. Sion uh, Header. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, who direct um, who wrote and directed uh, Coda. One best adapted screenplay. Oh, yep. Yep, yep. Well deserved. Um, I, I, I'm trying to wait to get to this specific one because I kind we need to talk about something that. Well, Drive My every, Car did get best international feature film. Yep, yep. It got so it that. did get something for you. Uh, Questlove got best documentary feature. Uh, who uh, he co-directed the uh, film. Um, I think he co-directed it. Uh, Summer of Soul, which I still need to watch. Yep. Which I heard is a good movie. Uh, uh, Encanto won Best Disney Film. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Best Disney film. That's <laughs> let's, funny. Let, let's be honest. That's all that category is the last, you know, what, five or six years now? His best Disney film. That's funny, man. Um, all right, y'all. Now it's time to talk about the main event. Uh, Will Smith won Best Actor, which we ex- which we were expecting. I know you were pulling for Andrew. I was and I- really pulling for Andrew, but at the same time, I I knew it was going to go to Will Smith. You know, there there was no denying that fact. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch did a great job with Power of the Dog. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Garfield. I really wanted him to win this for Tick Tick Boom because. It, I still it think great, that was a great movie, and that was an amazing performance in that. Andrew has time. I believe Andrew has time. Oh yeah, like as talented as he is, he he's he has time. Well, so, assuming that the Oscars continue after you know, <laughs> that brings me to the next uh, the real event, and it's 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 such a shame that this is going to be stained. Like every time you say, "Oh, Will, he got an Oscar, didn't he?" Yeah, that was the night he smacked Chris Rock. Yeah. Well, no, it's going to go the other way around as people are going to go. Does Will Smith have an Oscar? Um, no, I think he won when he smacked Chris Rock, like for best performance. That's literally what I just said, folks. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you see, this, this man is competitive. You know what I mean? He's like, no, it's going to go this way. And let me just say it in a different Bradley yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what are your thoughts on this? Like. Like, I, I know how I felt when it initially happened, but what are your thoughts looking back on it that there's been some time? So now that there been there has been some time, uh, I think that Chris Rock has officially stated that he did not know about Jada's condition when he made the mm-hmm. joke. The alopecia, yeah. Yeah, her having alopecia. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know either. Um, I didn't even know the stuff with, like, August and everything until everybody was making the jokes, and I had to look oh, that wow. one up. You late. Yeah, I was late, late on that friend. one. Um, That's where the word entanglement came from. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. So it, with all that going on and everything, like I was finding out all kinds of stuff from this. Mm-hmm. And I, I knowing that Chris Rock didn't know it, it, it was a bad joke. I'm not going to say that it was a good joke, but it wasn't even with him having the knowledge of her having alopecia and everything like that. If he did, it was a stupid. It was still joke. just a bad joke. It wasn't anything like offend. It wasn't an attacky joke. It was just a side off joke off of what I think was a better joke, which was the joke of uh, you know who was it? Uh, Javier right Bardem, and, yeah, uh, Penelope Cruz. Like uh, if she loses, he has to lose to Will. Yeah, you know he has to. He can't. He can't win if she loses. He ain't gonna live that down in, in, in back at home, right? Um, so if she loses. He's he's pretty much praying that Will Smith wins for, and and then it just right. segued into you know Jada. Good to see you. Can't wait for GI Jane two, uh, which I didn't even know what GI Jane was. So that was just really? a joke that completely went over my head. See, you're the second person to tell me that because my wife was like, I didn't even what is GI Jane? I'm like, that's a the Demi Moore film. She's like, I never saw that. Yeah, I was like, wow, you know, first off, Demi Moore was hot in G.I. Jane. So it's not an insult Mm -hmm. in my eyes. It's not an insult. I'm like, okay, G.I. Jane, I get it. You know, she's bald and, you know, G.I. Jane, Demi Moore was bald. It was a dumb joke, but, you know, it was just like, all right, let me, it felt like Chris Rock was like, let me put this filler in here so I can move on to the next bit. 
you know, it was a it was a one off joke. Well, not only was it a one off joke, it was an approved joke because the Oscars I are. I thought live. he went off script. Uh, I thought they said it, he was off script. Oh no, because I'm pretty sure that if he went off script, the entire thing would be about him going off script on a live thing like the Oscars where they pretty much fine tune everything that's happening down to the last like dotting of every I and crossing of every T like every joke and everything that the comedians say on stage has to be approved before they can say it because it's going on live TV so let's um listen man countless people have dissected this but let's let's just go by the order of events because I've watched this clip so many times with my wife just like in in all confusion, uh, hilarity, and uh, finally disappointment after after uh, much uh, contemplation in my mind. So Chris Rock makes the joke. Will Smith laughs. <laughs> Jada rolls her eyes. Uh, cut to Chris is like that. That wasn't even that bad. And then you know he cuts to about to introduce the award. We don't know the type of look. There have been anime drawings. There have been jokes online of what Jada said to Will that made him go into a uh, Autobot destroy yeah, a complete but, fit of rage. Right, like going from Mister Smiling, you know, fun loving. Now this is a story, you know, friendly Will Smith to I gotta destroy this guy. It's I don't know what Jada said to this man. I don't know what she said. Uh, I can tell you as a married man, you can look at the look on your wife's face like uh, you, you, you're going to let that go. And um, cut to Will comes on stage. And if I was watching this live, which I, I got to be honest with you, man, I don't watch the Oscars. Um, you know, I'm doing this episode because, you know, we both love film and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, everyone starts clapping like, oh, this is another bit. Like he's in on the bit. All of a sudden, whap. Now, at first I was like, Dude, that was fake. There's no way he really smacked him. And uh, he goes goes back to his seat. Chris Rock goes, Will Smith just smacked me. Did Will just smack? Will just smack me. Everyone starts laughing. And, you know, because they think it's a joke. Everyone still thinks it's a joke. Cut to keep my wife's name out your mouth. Yeah. And I and I go, whoa. What just you see? Did you see Lapita Nyong'o's face behind him? Like, oh, that is the best part of just it's that look of I don't like drama, but I like what's going on here. (laughs) Is this is this still a bit or is this real? Like, you know, uh, yeah, man. Uh, Look, man, I had to take down my Facebook status because when I initially heard the news, you know, I'm groggy in the morning. I hear about it. I go, I get it. Will has heard all the jokes about his wife. You know, she she said many things on Red Table Talk about him not him not sexually satisfying her. I think she said that on an episode where she was talking with Gwyneth Paltrow, the August Alcina thing. He probably got fed up. Uh, I, and, you know, I don't condone him, Chris. After much contemplation about it, I was like, no, that was that was wrong. It, it was out of line. Yeah, like, uh, that was wrong. Like, I think. We kind of briefly mentioned it a little bit before we started recording, but yeah. Jim Carrey's kind of response to it pretty much summarizes it pretty blatantly of, you know, if you don't like a joke, you don't resort to violence. You you basically, you know, later can go, oh, I didn't, you know, that was out of line. That was bad. You send a tweet about it. You do this. Right. And it just kind of passes by. 
because now this is the only thing people are talking about. And yes, it's it's a stain on his win. It's a stain. Yes. And I, I like how um, I like that Jim Carrey did defend him, though, because Jim Carrey is a comedian. He's in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm sure him and Chris Rock have dealt with their hecklers in time. Because listen, dude, I saw it in Chris Rock's face when Chris when he says uh, when he says to Will Smith, I'm going to like I'm going to keep your wife's name out of my mm-hmm. mouth. You see him for a minute go, boy, I could ooh. you see. Oh, you, you see the, the look on his face as he's just like, I mm, no, mm. And you I can tell this man. that the voice in that earpiece was joy. Chris, Chris, back on track, back on track, back on track. Just like, go don't, back on track. Don't, don't, don't say don't don't say anything. Don't do it. Just back on track because you hear him go. So we're 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 here to boy, give out I a could, documentary. Ooh. Wait, no. We're here to give an award for a documentary. Like, it even had to, like, he had to go through his brain and rethink the words that he had to say that were on a cue card. I know the comedian him was like, boy, I could just destroy this man. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm going to move on. Um, I want to hit part of me. A big part of me was like, no, Chris, do it. Do it. I would have loved to see Chris do it. Yeah, because, you know, you, you you try to humiliate this man by smacking him. Uh, and, you know, he's 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 a he's a lesser size than you. You know, he's mm-hmm. not Will Smith. He doesn't have the muscles like Will. You know, it, you try to emasculate this guy um, or embarrass him at the most. And I just I really wanted Chris to go in. But he's a professional, though. You got to tip your hat. Oh, yeah. He's a professional. Um, So cut from all of that. Uh, the more I thought about it, I took my status down and I said, dude, that that wasn't the right move. That wasn't the right move. He, what he should have did in my eyes was you go up there, put Chris in a fake headlock, you know, laugh it off and then walk off stage. That would have went perfectly. Honestly, you know he I mean? shouldn't have even like gotten on stage or done anything because guess what? Nobody would have remembered that joke. Right. You know, like it, Amy it, Schumer did an entire set during the Oscars. Nobody remembers her jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even know she did a set. Yeah, I didn't know she was co-hosting until the night of. I said, "Oh, she was a co-host." Yeah, and then I, I was like, you know, her, Wanda Sykes, and um, Regina Hall. Uh, but man, I was like, Regina Hall's joke was worse that she made about Jada and Will. Like, you know, uh, Jada signed off on you, Will, so you come on up here. You know, like kind of make, making a joke about their open relationship. And I'm like, she didn't get cussed out. Yeah. You know, like, and then cut to, you know, during the break, you got Bradley Cooper, Denzel, Tyler Perry, all consoling Will, you know, the crying, you know, A-list actor uh, and everything. I'm like, was he the one that just got smacked? Yeah, it it was odd. Like, even his speech was a little odd when he won Best Director. Best Actor. Don't get me Yeah, Best Actor. This dude went on stage and listen, listen, I'm proud. He deserves it. Great in King Richard. But oh, it's yeah. the fact it's the fact that he went and said, you know, you go to Hollywood and, you know, you got to deal with people talking crazy about you and your family. And you just got to laugh it off and stuff like that. And then then he brought God into it. And I was yeah. like, dude, God would have wanted you to apologize to Chris. Like, not just say, I apologize to the Academy for what I did and. He didn't apologize yeah, to Chris. That was the strangest thing is he apologized to the people that had nothing to do with what he had done. Right. Like, and I and I get it. You're having a moment of like, 
you know, in his eyes, clarity, like, you know, like I'm just like Richard Williams. Like I'm, I, 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 I go crazy for my family. That's fine. But apologize on stage to the man you hit. Yeah. Listen, Chris Rock has done some pretty wild, piercing jokes. Out of all the jokes he said about celebrities in his time, that was tamer than tame. Oh, yeah. I mean, Come it, on. it was a joke that I'm willing to bet most people didn't even get. And it made people actually look it up because they were like, wow, Will Smith got that upset about that joke. OK, I got to look up, you know, because I remember seeing like the search results for everything go like doing that spike. And like G.I. Jane was up there. Chris Rock was up there. Uh, Jada Smith, August, uh, Will Smith, and, like all of it was like spiking after this event. I heard the fun. I I heard all the would be com- comebacks on Facebook. Uh, two that was the funniest to me. One was uh, after he got smacked. If he walked off stage, Chris Rock should have said, "You forgot to say welcome to Earth <laughs> like from Independence Day." <laughs> Another one was like, "That's gonna hurt till August." Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing that one too. I think my favorite joke. Or no, there's two that I've seen that have just it. I love them absolutely. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them is a picture of Will Smith holding the Oscar, and it just has the caption: "Look to appease Will Smith, they give him a mini statue of Jada to hold." Mmm. Mmm. Oh, it. Mm, I, it's terrible, but Look, God, man, I love it. <laughs> social media can be toxic as hell, but it can be funny too. Oh yeah. When every when everyone is in on the joke, uh, it can be funny. Uh, I'll say this. So a few days later, Will Smith finally makes the right choice and apologize. Well, was it the next day or was it two days later? He, it was a couple apolog- days later. It wasn't the next day. A couple days later. That makes it worse. A couple days later, he finally publicly apologizes to Chris Rock on Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> like, like, dude, listen, I, I understand human beings were flawed. OK, I get it. But, you know, as someone as professional and in this business and you know, I, I, I don't idolize anyone in Hollywood, but this is a man who has always been humble, you know, friendly, handsome, talented, a guy, a leading figure in Hollywood. That everyone goes, I like to have a beer with him. Mm-hmm. Seems like a f- fun, cool guy. And this moment was just so uncool. You know, like and I, I uh, listen. I kind of brought, I brought race into it. I said, dude, if that was Jimmy Fallon or James Corden, immediately, immediately security would have got Will Smith. Oh, yeah. They they would not have let him sit down. They would have told him, you got to go. It it was kind of amazing that they let him stay at all because the, uh, the, I can't remember what they call themselves, the Academy. Uh, they basically have gone back and forth on different statements saying that they asked him to leave and he refused to, you know, they were thinking of of asking him to leave to their statements have changed so much. And it's like, first off, you should have asked him to leave. Uh, you know, he shouldn't have been there to receive the Oscar after that, even though I fully think that he deserves it for that performance and everything like that. At the same time for what he did, if it was in any other person, they would have been escorted out. 
Uh, I actually, there was the pictures of like after the event happened of uh, Andrew party. Garfield and people like texting and stuff like that. And I think one of the favorite was a uh, quote, somebody going, yeah, I think I know what he was texting. He was probably messaging his agent going, yeah, Will Smith just smacked Chris Rock on stage and he wasn't escorted. So I don't think I won best actor. <laughs> That's funny. Dude, two, two, this, there's two things that, that, that this makes, um, that this whole event uh, makes look bad. Will Packer, super successful, talented black producer in, in, in Hollywood. This was, uh, I think, the first Oscars event that was like produced by a, a, a successful black producer. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. I could be wrong. Can you imagine how he feels like, dude, this dude, I, my first event producing the Oscars, Will Smith smacks Chris Rock. That's what, that's what my event is going to be remembered for. Not the fact that Will Smith won Best Actor. Not the fact that Troy Coatser won Best Supporting Actor. Jane Campion, Best Director. It's going to be remembered for that. Yeah. It's... Two. This is a stain on the Oscars that it's... This isn't going to go away at all. Listen to me, man. And I was reading comments on YouTube, and one person said, dude, it's like America is okay with this. Like, does America allow this kind of violence at an award ceremony? And at first I was like, man, obviously our person don't live here. But then I looked at it and I said, no, we've we've had we've had President Biff in office. So we uh, yeah, we look bad. Yeah. The fact that this happened at, at the Oscars, which is supposed to be this pristine event. I'm like, yeah, we we look bad, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now the update on everything is uh chris rock on stage oh man i want to see him on tour because i know he's going to address this but he he recently has kind of been like hey i don't have no words right now i'm still trying to process it uh he didn't press charges will smith has resigned from the academy which listen listen i I, i'm not anti will smith the dude is a talented dude i'm still going to see his films i'm still going to watch chris rock's future stand-ups and movies uh but i'm like that was a game move because he probably heard from somebody. Yeah. The Academy is thinking about axing you, dude. Well, the Academy was meeting about it or they had announced that they were meeting about it. And it was like maybe a couple hours after they had first announced that, uh, that he was like, I'm dropping out of the, you know, Academy. Yeah. I think that was a game move. In my personal opinion, I think it was like, they're going to ax me. Let me just get ahead of this and resign. Yeah. Um, and now you hear some rumors that some Will Smith productions are on hold. Really? Like they put Bad Boys 4 on hold. Uh I could see him being the reason that or like his choice to put that kind of stuff on hold because I'm one the bet right now he doesn't want to go like into any kind of like uh press tours or anything for movies or deal with any kind of like production right now Mm -hmm. so i'm willing to bet that's not so much like these companies are going oh we got to put will smith on hold i'm willing to bet that that's will smith going i i need to i need to stay home for a month i can't go out in public i need to just sit and you know not do anything don't move don't twitch don't just stay here stay still and hopefully People like move to the next thing soon. Keep your head low. Yeah. Say nothing. Just, just, just kind of just stay to yourself. 
Listen, man, I told myself, I, I was talking with my wife. I said, you can't not listen. Like I said, it, it, nobody's above being human, but I'm like, it's going to be a hard uphill battle to cancel Will Smith. It's going like, to be Will a Smith. hard bet. I don't think he's going to get canceled for this, but I can already tell that he already is. It, it won't well, last long. Right. But it, he, he cancel was canceled culture is. Yeah, I we that's a whole different thing to get into, but it, it's know, not going to stick. Know. It's it basically cancel culture is what's hot at this minute. Everyone gets canceled once in a while. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a difference between being canceled in the moment and having a Kevin Spacey. Right. You know, so, what I'm saying? yeah, this isn't a uh, Weinstein situation. This is, you know, every other comedian has gone through cancellation for doing or saying something at some point. It's, right. you know, but then I think what's really going to hurt him is the fact he attacked a major comedian that's a part of like the big comedian network. So Chris Rock is basically, he's intertwined with almost every comedian out there in some way mm-hmm. because he's in the group with Adam Sandler and all his friends. Uh, he's in all the like black comedian tours and everything like that. Uh, he has like the everybody hates Chris show and everything. So he's very intertwined with everybody that was ever like, involved with that the 30 rock crew the snl crew the funniest thing uh it wasn't it wasn't the funniest thing but it was a funny meme where it said uh chris rock gathering his crew and it was the whole cast from grown-ups oh yeah him, <laughs> I remember him spade <laughs> schneider sandler kevin james and i thought that was just pretty funny but yeah you're right he he has deep ties to the comedian community dave yeah. Chappelle, kevin hart he has deep ties. Oh, yeah. So, if anything, Will Smith just hurt his chances of working on productions with those people. And that really Maybe. is going to cut, you know, because I don't think that this is going to ruin, like, oh, people aren't going to go see, you know, Wild Wild West 2 because of Will Smith. Um, uh, it, we wouldn't go see Wild Wild West 2 because it's Wild Wild West 2. Right. But at the Come same on, time, like that Come might on. be all he's able to get onto because nobody else wants to touch it. And because every other movie that's out there, it, it, he's basically going to be in this weird game of like uh, Frogger where he's dodging all these other people in Hollywood because they won't want to work with him. He's dodging them or they're dodging him. He'll be dodging them to find something that they're not attached to because they wouldn't want to work with him. I hear you on that, and you you could be right, but again, it's Will Smith. He don't. Does he need those people? Uh, look at his back catalog of movies. It right. he's in a lot of comedies with a lot of now, pretty look, big names. Bad Boys. I hear you. I'm sure Martin Lawrence has a good good relationship with Chris Rock. Martin Lawrence is a comedian. Yeah. Uh, Gemini Man, Aladdin, Bright, Suicide Squad. I mean, these are uh, movies Bright, that you got to keep in mind. Who else is attached to Bright? Max Landis. Yeah. Well, David Ayer made it, so David Ayer is you know kind of like the stronger name attached. That's true. He's not canceled. No. Uh, Focus with Margot Robbie. I don't know, man. I I, I think Will. I don't, I hear what you're saying, but. Ah, uh, comedies, comedies. Hitch, Kevin James. Yeah, that was in two thousand five. 
Nah, we're not gonna stick on we're not gonna stay on this. But yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, baby. I think that's where it's going to hit him the most is he's losing that entire community of support. Mm. Okay, we'll see. We we're just gonna have to see here. Uh what else happens in the saga of Will Smith. Uh I know we live in a generation of we need resolution now, but this is real life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like some stuff goes beyond the uh lifespan of social media. So we'll see in time. We'll see for sure. All right, man. You ready to get into the meat and potatoes? Yeah, I think about uh, 45 minutes into our podcast, we can start talking about movies again. Dude, there was a lot of meat on the bone, man. <laughs> I said to you before we started, I said, we got a, we got a lot to cover. Yeah, that, this that is going to be event. a long one just because of that. That one event. And then you were like, oh, Coda winning? Yeah. Like, yeah, smart ass. <laughs> Coda winning. No, the Dude, smack. Coda winning is a big deal to me. I picked that movie and it won. <laughs> that doesn't normally happen. Right, right. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, we have The Room versus The Disaster Artist. Uh, you know, usually we don't do this around here, but uh, let's go ahead and hit them with the uh, chronological order. So Disaster Artist first? No. So uh, we're going to start <laughs> off with 2003, The Room. All right. Uh, you, want, you want me to want me to take the lead? Uh, you take the lead on this one. How do I see a synopsis of this? Yeah, that that's uh, why <laughs> I didn't look, want to man. take the lead on this one. This one's okay. a hard one to do. Look, uh, folks, hailed as one of the worst films of all time, if not the worst film of all time, but uh, also strangely beloved. Uh, the Room is about uh, Johnny. Uh, I, I think he's a banker. They 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 re- they refer to that in some way. I think he's a banker. Uh, he has a fiance named Lisa. Uh, Lisa is cheating on him with uh, his best friend who likes to uh, make it known almost every time he's on screen that he's my best friend. Uh, Mark, not Mark, Mark, Mark. His name is Mark. Uh, So there's a love triangle going on. So, you know, throughout the film, we're dealing with uh, this uh, tension between uh, Johnny and his fiance, Lisa, you know, Mark, who's conflicted with letting Johnny know that he's, um, He's sleeping with his uh his fiance, and uh that's pretty much the bare bones of how I can like in a sensical way describe to you what this film is. Uh, that's the sensical description. Uh, the other type of description is uh long establishing shots, a uh, lot of credits. Uh, the credits are fine, but it's the long establishing shots for me with the uh. Dun, 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 oh yeah, piano, piano music. Cut to uh, Johnny comes in, babe, I'm home, and you know, hug, embrace. In comes this kid out of nowhere, uh, who just comes in. Uh, yeah, he doesn't knock anytime. Every time that he shows up in a scene, um, right. and so for people that don't know the room um first off you need to find a midnight screening of this happening nearby you and you need to go uh because this is one of the most fun movies to watch with a crowd that is one of the worst movies to watch alone i forgot how boring this movie was when i was doing the rewatch for this episode because i remember it being bad but i was doing the rewatch and i was like oh this is this is next level bad. Like this is horrible and terrible to try and watch. Cause 
my memories of this is boring is go ahead yeah because most of my memories of this are seeing it in like screenings with a crowd of people where it's a sold out theater and you know it it's a completely different thing when you have people like yelling at the screen you know with the famous quotes uh throwing spoons at the screen whenever the famous picture of a spoon shows up uh the football scene you know (laughs) my favorite thing was uh when uh when johnny and lisa head up to the bedroom to uh, have sex in those recycled uh, Skin and Max uh, recycled uh, sex scenes that play throughout the entire movie. Uh, Denny comes upstairs and someone yells out, where's the apple? Oh, yeah. he first came into the screen with an apple and then this doesn't have the apple anymore. Um, and every time Mark says, he's my best friend, someone in the theater goes, he's your best friend. It, there's so many in-jokes about this movie that it, it's... For somebody to like walk in blind for this movie, they'd probably be overwhelmed with how many like jokes there are from the crowd and the audience that just constantly go throughout this movie. I was a proud friend slash uh, future husband when I invited my, um, you know, my wife, then girlfriend and uh, two of my best friends, uh, uh, Benny and Anwar, to a midnight screening of the room. Now, all I told them was I said, look. This is a movie you just do not take seriously. Do not mm-hmm. take it seriously. Um, and it was a midnight screening at uh, Rest in Peace, the Royal Oak Theater in uh, Royal Oak. No, the main art theater in Royal Oak, Michigan. Uh, Tommy Wiseau showed up himself. And folks, I'm telling you, it, he he's the real deal. Oh, yeah. He he's 100% exactly how you picture him in this movie. This This was no acting in this movie. He is the real deal uh with the hair and everything so he showed up and i remember uh we were standing in line and my you know my wife had a person had her purse in her hand and uh the one guy turned around and said oh hi miss bring any spoons <laughs> now i i catch what he's saying because i know about these screens my wife was like oh no <laughs> everybody comments on how big my purse is all the time and the guy looked a little confused and looked at me and i said it's her first time he says oh oh okay <laughs> bring any spoons at which point she probably gave you this look of what you wait spoons is something the what movie are we seeing (laughs) so look man we in the theater right and we're going through the movie and everything and uh you know they're laughing they they kind of catch on it man this is a stupid movie but it's funny um at some point uh one guy behind me he went to see this movie but i i had I have a I have a feeling he didn't know what he was watching. He didn't know what he was getting himself into. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like this dude with popcorn in his, in his head. I, I, at one point, I turned back to look at him, and he has like this look of utter confoundment on his face. Uh, like fifteen minutes in, twenty minutes later, all I hear from behind me is "stupid fucking movie." <laughs> and then I hear someone get up and just leave the theater, and it's him. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Oh, but he didn't know what he was getting himself into, bro. He was just like stupid and movie like, ah, yeah. Oh, going to see this movie is an event like going to see like the uh, Rocky Picture Horror Show. Uh, mm-hmm. Difference being that that's actually a good movie and this is not. <laughs> Dude, I remember somebody in a documentary I watched for Troll 2 uh, kind of commenting on how to film like successfully messed everything up cinematography mm-hmm. acting writing it, it was almost like it was on purpose 
the room has that kind of magic where it feels like all of this is on purpose and we're the dumb ones for thinking this is bad. It it, it runs a spell on you. It like, does. You, like you feel like maybe it's maybe this is a good movie. I'm just not on its wavelength. Like like maybe this is a great movie here. I'm just not on its wavelength. Oh man, let me tell you something, man. Uh, what, what was I about to say, dude? There, there, there's scenes in this movie. In fact, there's two scenes in this movie that build up really well. That if they were in another movie, you'd be like, okay, par for the course. The scene where Chris R is on the is on the uh, roof with Denny, the man that plays Chris R actually feels as if he's like giving a good solid performance as a drug dealer. I'm like, he he belongs in another movie. Yeah, because he's actually doing his job. Uh, everyone else here is given bad direction. Uh, the the one scene, uh, who was my man? I think I think his name was Mike, but uh, he was talking to uh, he was talking to uh, Johnny, and he was like, "Hey man, I got something to tell you." The build up in this scene acts like it would it would actually belong in a generic comedy. He was like, "Yeah man, uh, I ran into your fiance's mother in law, and she was uh holding me undies." I was like. That actually sounds like a somewhat funny opening. And then all of a sudden, uh, Tommy goes, that's life, man. I was like, okay, back to reality. This is not a good movie. (laughs) Yeah, anytime that you think that this movie is going in a certain direction, it'll always cut to Tommy's uh, acting as Johnny. And he's completely acting in a different scene from whatever scene that is. (laughs) Right. Like, like There's a scene that is probably one of my favorite where Mark's telling this like terrible story of, you know, how he's going through depression and all this other stuff. And then, you know, Johnny just starts laughing, goes, Oh, Mark. (laughs) And it's like, no, this isn't supposed to be a foot. Like he's acting in different scenes throughout the movie. (laughs) No, no, no. Mark says something at one point, like, uh, Hey man, I'd be careful. I once knew a friend. I once knew a girl. I once know somebody that did something like that. And, and uh, her boyfriend beat her half to death. <laughs> That's so funny, Mark. Oh, yeah. That's like, what? That's not funny. Um, dude, how can we forget the, the greatest piece of uh, filmmaking ever conceived uh, in cinema? The flower shop scene, bro. <laughs> oh, hi, doggy. Now, now, I know this was on purpose because this, this, this can't have been uh, 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 unintentional. This had to be intentional. This man walks into the flower shop and this is all just superb editing. Mm-hmm. This man walks into the flower shop and she says, who's there? It's me. He gets up to the counter. Oh, I didn't know it was you. Goes out of scene. Here's your flowers. Here you go. Keep the change. Thank you. Bye, doggy. Okay, bye. You, you go through a span of like probably like what should be like 45 seconds of dialogue in 15 seconds. Yeah. That's genius. Also be noted, something that I don't think a lot of people catch when they're watching this, uh, Mm -hmm. all the dialogue is ADR. All the dialogue was done after the fact and added to the movie in post-production, which Uh, nobody can explain still to this day why they did that. Like, even the people that were, like, tasked with doing it didn't understand why they were doing it that way. Uh, apparently there was no issue with the audio that they got from the filming. It was just a decision by Tommy to redo the audio in post for 
basically the entire movie. It's the room, man. It's the room. This is not. Listen, man. This is not some other film we're talking about here. This is the room. The room goes by its own rules. Yeah. Including the fact that it was the first and only film recorded both digitally and on uh, film reel. (laughs) If Tommy Wiseau tells you he he wants ADR uh, recorded after the film and you loop in the ADR, you loop in the damn ADR. Yeah. Okay? (laughs) It is what it is. This movie is a national treasure, man. Uh, Better than any bad Nicolas Cage film we've seen, this movie is the national treasure. Uh, Pun intended. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I I love this movie, man. I just love it. The the nonsensical scenes that should mean something, again, in another film. But this is the room. We hear that uh, uh, Lisa's mother, uh, uh, Claudette, says she's got cancer. Oh, yeah. And we never revisit it again. Yeah, it's never brought up again. It has nothing to do with the plot at all. Yeah. In one scene, Lisa's talking and there's something going on with her thyroid where there's a big, big lump right here. And it, it just never comes back. Mm-hmm. We, we don't talk about it. We, we don't mention it. It's just, it. It just happened. Yeah, I think we need to start sagging into uh, the disaster artist because. Why? It, the disaster artist being the movie about the room is the best way to show everything production wise that makes this movie so great. Well, well hold on, man. You, let's before we move to dinner, let's finish up with lunch. Uh, <laughs> five out of five. What do you got? Um, in a public setting, five out of five. None. I'd even go as far as a six out of five. Uh, and if there was a movie that you could bring me to, there could be three screenings, you know, three days in a row. I'd go to every single one of them if I had the time for it. Dude, uh, let me tell you something, man. Uh, we saw this publicly. Uh, in, 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 like I told you, I was with my two friends and my wife. Uh, towards the end, <laughs> I don't think my wife understood the assignment. She took this film a little too literally at some points, which... <laughs> When Johnny shoots himself in the head and everybody goes, yeah, she goes, oh, that's sad. I'm like, dude, you missed the assignment. Don't this. This movie is not real. You don't feel oh. sorry for any of these. These characters are not real. Don't feel sorry for any of them. Oh, man. All right, man. So five out of five from you. You said six out of five in a public setting. Dude, I think even when it's not in public. Me watching it by myself, I was I was still kind of like laughing. It, it does listen, it's nothing compared to when you're watching it with a crew. Oh, not at all. It, it was still very entertaining to me how bad it was. It uh, is entertaining how bad it is, but it is a very rough watch when you're just watching it by yourself. Yeah. Uh, because you start to feel a little bit crazy because you're laughing at things that aren't supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're basically having this conversation with yourself during the movie. Even right. though you're by yourself, it's it's an odd experience. Like I'm I'm, I'm sitting there by myself, like uh, man, I forgot how bad this was. Uh, sample of dialogue. What what did that guy want? I owed him some money. What money? I, I owed him some money. What money? I, I think I I think he owed him money. Yeah. Like money. <laughs> yeah. what you a, know what money, right? Yeah. 
what other kind of money is there? And then the, and then the mother getting into it, like, what have you got yourself into? <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, I forgot how bad this was. Oh, All right, man. man. We're going to move on to the DA, TDA on you. Yeah. So The Disaster Artist is a movie based on the book of the same name, which was written by Greg, I believe. Did you read it? I have not read this book. It's a good book. You should read it. I, I really want to read it. Every time it gets brought up, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I need to read this. Uh, but I have it's still really yet to read it. But it is written by Greg, right? Yeah, it's written by Greg Terrell and uh, co-written by Tom Bissell. Okay. So it's basically a firsthand account of the entire production of The Room uh, by Greg. So it goes through how he met Tommy. Uh, how they eventually came to live in, you know, L.A., uh, began kind of trying to get out there as actors and just not working out until Tommy decides to write his own movie, which ends up being The Room. And then the story takes place of just the entire production nightmare that is this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, um, in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Wiseau played fantastically by James Franco. Uh, Greg Sestero played amazingly by his brother, Dave Franco. Uh, then from there, we had Seth Rogen, Allison Brie, uh, Zach Efron playing Chris R., <laughs> the, uh, per- the one person that knew the assignment in the movie originally. <laughs> right. The actor who played Chris R., uh, yeah. Dan uh, Janjagan. Yeah, dude, he was such a great, you know. He he really shined in that role. He was a great Chris R. He was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say this, man. Uh, I like Dave Franco. Dave Franco seems like he has like a like an affable personality every time he's in an interview on t- on TV. Um, I kind of thought he was just being Dave in this movie. Like just like, you know, just affable Dave, like the more affable uh Franco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but he is, you know, putting him and Greg side by side. It, he picked up a lot of his mannerisms and little like things and the way that he talks and everything. Mm-hmm. So he he did a good job in like picking up Greg, but at the same time, Dave Franco kind of is Greg, <laughs> more or less in the same like kind of nature and attitude yeah, and everything. Everyday guys, right? Uh, nice guys, you know what I'm saying? People yeah. you see at a bar, you hang out with. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it looks like he played himself, but he did actually pick up like on Greg's mannerisms and everything. It just comes off so naturally because he did that well at acting at this point, and it just also blends in with his own personality pretty well as well. So. Uh, Seth Rogen, I absolutely loved in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Shandy Schickler. Uh Yes, Schickler. the script yeah. supervisor, uh, whose famous line is, well, at some point, hopefully I can see the script, you know, as the script supervisor. That would make my job a little bit easier. <laughs> well, well, script supervisor and first assistant director. Yes. Yeah, for yeah. all the scenes where Tommy was uh, acting, he was the director of the movie. Right. Um, yeah, man, dude, I, I uh, before I saw this movie, I read the book. And uh, when I went into the movie, it really did follow it mostly to a T. Like this is a well done adaptation of a book uh, about one of the most one of the best films of all time. Yeah, uh, I, I liked it, man. I thought this was a pretty solid movie. Franco directing this. 
which as a director, James Franco, he's had some duds, trust me. Uh, but for this one, I felt like he uh, he understood the assignment. Yeah, this he, was uh, his win in directing a movie. For sure. And he uh, he shot it straight and it, it came out all right. Dude, I loved him as Tommy, man. I felt like there was a point where everyone knows how to do Tommy in a way, but it comes off like a caricature. Like with him, mm-hmm. he, he really became, I don't want to say became, but he really gave off a great Tommy. Right. It also helped that he became... I don't know if they're really good friends, but they were basically spending a lot of time with each other. Mm-hmm. So he got the mannerisms of Tommy down pretty well due to just spending so much time around him uh, mm-hmm. when it came to like the prep for this, because Tommy was involved with the making of this movie uh, from right. like an executive producer standpoint where basically he would go, Oh, this is good. I like this, you know, um, apparently one of Tommy's like only complaints about this movie was about the football scene and going, Oh, that is not how I play football. That is, that's way bad <laughs> to which if I recall correctly, Greg in the same like interview went, no, no, that was probably one of the most accurate parts of the movie. <laughs> that's just, that's how Tommy is, man. That's just Tommy. That's Tommy. Right. Um, yeah, I love how this film examines the uh, complicated friendship between uh, Tommy and Greg because they do have a friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- you see this with him. You see Greg as a guy that looks at Tommy like, yeah, I know my friend is a little strange, but I like him. You know, he he, he he's cool with me and he's giving me a shot by uh, putting me in his film, The Room. And I like how there's a little bit of jealousy there, like when uh, when Greg starts going out with uh, uh, Amber you know, played by Alison Brie and Tommy, uh, you know, starts to feel slighted by this. Like, you know, she's 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 interceding in our lives. Uh, I think you could call this kind of like a bromance comedy, you know, just a little bit. Uh, I, I see how it has that that feel to it. Yeah, but uh, it, it really paints Tommy as this person that uh, is just very strange. Uh, Completely unhinged is the unhinged. best way to, like, describe how he comes off in this movie and some scenes you don't like him and some scenes kind of play for comedy they, they even make you cringe a bit like the scene where he shot the uh sex scene with uh, uh juliet daniel oh yeah and it's like it, I, the film isn't asking you to laugh but it's, it has some like one-liners in the scene it's like this is so cringe and just unnecessary like you know like uh it, it, it made you feel bad for her because you know it's what this is what she went through on set uh, made you just like shake your head at Tommy like what's this guy's problem and it needs to it, be said that it's cringe intentionally though it's to show like how uncomfortable well I'm saying because for other people they might not realize that right. it, it's supposed to be intentionally cringe it's supposed to make you go this is wrong it's you know the movie didn't just come off as cringy in these scenes because of like the acting or anything like that it's because it was intentionally put forth because that's how the set was right uh i mean come on if they're listening to this they and they know us by now they oh, know yeah. They, they know what the film is. They know what this is. They know what the film is. Uh, they know what they know what it is. But I, I got you. Uh, yeah, I mean, with any any individual scenes you want to point out that really like spoke to you with this movie? Uh, so. One scene that 
even on this rewatch, it still kind of bothered me that this is how they decided to do it in the movie was the ending with the first screening and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish that they would have given this movie an extra like 10 minutes to show like the first screening failing and the movie failing and kind of maybe have it end with like that group of college kids going and buying a ticket to see the room. And then basically that having kick off where its popularity started. Cause when this movie first screened, it didn't get the laughter and everything that everybody had. It was a group of college kids went and saw this movie and it became like this, you know, thing where the entire campus needed to go see this movie because everybody was talking about how bad it was. Dude. Yeah. And that's where it got its start. Yeah. And then, you know, you would see this strange, uh, billboard across california in la yeah uh, with you know tommy wiseau's face and everybody be like who who is that guy what's that film about and it was kind of like like you said college kids word of mouth more and more people started talking about it famous people started talking about it like you see the beginning where everyone all the famous people jj oh the prologue yeah (laughs) jj abrams keegan michael key everyone's talking about the movie um yeah but uh what did I want to say? Uh, you, you, I think it ends. Where I think it ends on a good point. Like I feel like that's a good thing for it to end at the premiere, where uh, you know uh, everyone starts laughing and you see it kind of dawn on Tommy's face, like, oh, they they're responding to this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually getting a response out of people. And he goes, hey, uh, thank you for coming to see my comedy. You know, like from that point on, even to this day, he he, he says this is a dark comedy, which. Yeah, he, oh, he's bro. definitely, I remember at the beginning, he was like adamant that uh, people weren't understanding his vision, and he's kind of right. changed focus to, this is a dark comedy, uh, thank you for coming, and everything like that. Like, he's kind of changed his perspective a bit of just, he managed to have a movie that, you know, this. when did The Room come out, 2003? I believe so. Let me confirm this. Uh, yeah. 2003. We're here 20 years later, and there's still midnight screenings of this movie going on across the nation. Oh, come on, man. They're still doing midnight screenings of Rocky uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, right. But at the same time, this is one of those, you know, we don't even see screenings for last year's winner of the Oscars anymore. This movie still has screenings almost on like a, I'd say a weekly basis almost. Um, really? I didn't know that. They're still going, even with the pandemic and everything. Cause I remember there was one that popped up up here around Detroit somewhat recently, like last couple months. Mm. So I know that they're still going on. Uh, it might not be as like prominent as it was before where it was like a weekly thing, but it's still happening because uh, I think that it's estimated that this movie has actually made a profit now off of its like six million dollar plus budget <laughs> just from all these screenings that have happened. Oh, I know he getting that dough. Hey, oh, yeah. If you read that book. The one thing you learn about Tommy Wiseau is he he was a hustler. He sold underwear. Oh, yeah. He sold underwear. Uh, yeah, he was a hustler for real. Uh, is you know, I'm talking like he's dead or something. Um, look, man, one thing you could say about Tommy Wiseau, this is his swan song. This is his Citizen Kane. Uh, this is his Pulp Fiction, his Star Wars, because anything else he made after this, I know he made that one series called The Neighbors. Oh, that was so bad. 
that wasn't even laughable bad. I I I tried to give that a chance. Uh, I bought the DVD when he came to uh, Main Art Theater, mm-hmm. and I uh, I tried to see if I could return it, and they told me no. <laughs> so I just said, "All right, I'll just keep this with my room." Uh, yeah, that movie. Oh, but he did make one. I think he made one film, a documentary about the homeless in uh, Hollywood or in America that I heard was pretty good. But um, yeah, back to the disaster artist. <sighs> Dude, this kind of runs the gamut of, yeah, I like seeing the making of one of my favorite films, but it's like when doing a double feature versus and, and putting it against my one of my favorite films, it's like it it pales. It just pales in comparison. Uh, yeah, I, I got to agree with that. Like if we're putting Disaster Artist, I think, is a five out of five movie. I'm going to say that really? right off the bat. Oh, yeah. I say 3.5. Oh, really? Okay. That's. That's not even just me putting it against the room. I just thought, I thought okay, that's a solid, uh, you know, uh, dramatization of the making of a famous movie. Uh, it didn't blow me away like that, though. Oh, see, for me, I guess I, I still put this in high regard because I think the acting is all on point. Uh, the story mm. is really good because it does tell the story pretty accurately. Uh, there are a couple things that, you know, I wish they could have changed or a couple things that they did to Hollywood it up to make it an easier to go story. But yeah. I think it tells this, the tale of this like famous movie coming about pretty well. It's an entertaining movie. They didn't make it a boring documentary or anything like that. It, they definitely took the source material they had and made it as entertaining as possible that you're basically laughing along with it the entire ride, just like you would yeah. the movie itself. Uh, I I think it's a great movie, but The Room definitely has a higher presence than the movie about The Room. <laughs> Can we just talk how Tommy Wiseau made it all the way to the Golden Globes? Like, this man made it all the way to the Golden Globes like to the moment where Dave Franco won best actor, uh, you know, motion picture, uh, was it comedy or musical? This man, this man grabbed the mic and then James Franco was like, no, 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 this, this is, I, I talk. It's my award. I talk. <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. Only in Hollywood, man. Yeah. Only in Hollywood, bro. He made it to the stage. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. Uh, I, 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 um, I liked it when I saw it at the main art theater. It was kind of uh, kind of symbolic that that was the place I saw the the room mean, midnight screening. But uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's a solid movie. Yeah, uh, it, it still doesn't stand up to the room though. The room is kind of just it's it's an enigma of just how badly good it is. The room is a safe place. I don't know who said this. I don't know if it was Kristen Bell or somebody. Somebody said, man, when I'm feeling down, there is no place safe like the room. I just put myself in the room and everything is good again. And I'm like, I understand that. That's how I feel about the office. But (laughs) some people feel that way about the room. And I understand that. Yeah, man, the room is just just uh, top A1 stuff, man. Just superb. I, I when you said we were doing this against a disaster artist, I'm like, dude, I don't even know if there's no competition. I understand what the connecting factor is, but well, at I that point, I don't know what else we could put the room up against. 
I was low key thinking troll two, uh, but then again, so many people have done that. I, I well, I, I don't know. People will probably compare Room and Disaster Artist too. But have you seen Troll Two? I have seen Troll Two. I think that would have been a good one. Um, well, Troll Two had some innovation to it. It has some creativity to its visual effects and stuff. So that's kind of a different animal of, of worst movie. Yeah. But uh, uh yeah. Troll Two. I think my favorite scene in Troll Two is got to be like the uh, Nilbog is just gobbling backwards. How about my man acting like he's about to take off his belt, give him a whooping. What are you gonna do to me, Daddy? I'm gonna loosen up my belt by one notch so I don't get hunger pains. Yeah. Hey, you see the cameras just coming. To his face. <laughs> you see these sides? You know what it means? Hospitality. And you don't piss on hospitality. I want a lot. Have you seen the documentary for that movie? Best worst movie? Yes, I have. Where they actually go to like the convention for like horror movies and stuff like that. Yeah. I love that movie. It just shows how a community can just like keep the love of a film going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right, folks. Well, uh, that about does it there. You know, recapping the Oscars, uh, room versus disaster artists. That'll be it. Uh, you know, like, share, and subscribe. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Where else we at? Uh, Google Podcast. Google Podcast, the whole deal. Uh, y'all take care. <laughs>